0: So, one of our passions here at Grace Church is to help people grow in understanding how to study the Bible. And the reason that's one of our passions is because the more that we all, every one of us, studies and learns and trusts and follows God's Word, the more we do that, the more individually we'll experience God's presence poured into our lives, the more we will be strong in temptation, be comforted and strengthened in trials, the more we will love each other as a church family, the more compassion we'll have for lost people, the more boldness we'll have in sharing our testimony, the more the gospel will fill Abu Dhabi, the more people will come to faith in this city, and the more glory will come to Jesus Christ. So it's very important for us all of us, to be growing in how to study God's Word. And the reason I mention that is that this morning we're going to look at a passage in the Bible that is history. It's not a teaching passage so much as it's a a history passage. And when God had biblical authors write history, he doesn't just want us to read them and understand that this is what happened. He wants that, but he also wants us to understand why what happened is so important. What truths is he revealing to us through those events? And so as Matthew writes this passage, the Holy Spirit was guiding him with what events about Jesus' birth to focus on and what to highlight and emphasize about those events. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and I'm going to walk us through this passage and point out to you what I think are the three main points that the holy spirit wanted matthew to highlight about the way that Je- excuse me the way that jesus was born three main points start with verse 18 matthew writes now the birth of jesus christ took place in this way now pause there notice those words took place i just want to point out that means that matthew wants to have us understand This really happened. This isn't once upon a time there was a Mary and a Joseph. This isn't a fable or a myth or a legend. It's clear that Matthew wants us to understand this really happened. This is history. So start beginning of verse 18 again. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together as husband and wife, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So Matthew immediately focuses on the fact that Mary is pregnant. But he's clear, he points out to us, this is not a normal pregnancy. Mary was with child from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph hadn't been involved No man had been involved. There had been no sexual relations. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, notice that word betrothed. I want to explain that. In Jewish culture, when an engaged couple or when a couple wanted to become engaged, it was called betrothal. And it was a public, formal ceremony where they would be betrothed to each other, committed to each other. For marriage, to pursue marriage. They're not living together. They're not yet married. They're not sleeping together. There's no sexual relations, but they are betrothed. So here they are, Mary and Joseph betrothed, and Mary is pregnant. That's a problem. Because Joseph did not know that this was from the Holy Spirit. He knew he wasn't the biological father. And so he assumed. Rightly, we'd think that Mary had been unfaithful to him and had been with another man, which explains what happens next, verse 19. And her husband, husband to be, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, the betrothal commitment was so serious in Jewish culture that to break it off required a Legal divorce. They called it divorce. And because Joseph thought Mary had been unfaithful to him, he decided to divorce her, but in the way that would bring her the least shame possible. But keep reading. Look at what happens next. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, (laughs) whoa, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wow. So an angel comes to Joseph. Angels are spiritual beings created by God, powerful spiritual beings, but nowhere near as powerful as God. But they love God, they worship God, and they serve God. They fulfill God's purposes. And so God sends this angel to go and talk to Joseph in his dream. He says to Joseph, you should go ahead and take Mary as your wife. Do not divorce her. Go ahead and marry her, because she's not been unfaithful. This baby in her womb was conceived from the Holy Spirit. And the fact that Matthew puts such emphasis on this, so Mary's pregnancy and the unusual circumstances in which it took place... Matthew's just totally focused on that issue here. It's clear that this is one of Matthew's main points. He wants us to understand, this is the first main point, that Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. Now, who is this baby? Verse 21, the angel goes on. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So the angel tells Joseph, Mary is going to give birth to a son. And Joseph, you're to call this baby Jesus. And the word Jesus in that language meant God saves. Call his name Jesus, God saves, because he, this baby, will save his people from their sins. So this shows us why Jesus came. The first main point, Jesus was born of a virgin. Second main point, Jesus will save his people from their sins. Keep going. Verse 22. Now, the angel has stopped talking, and now Matthew explains. Verse 22. Here's another reason why Jesus is here. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Notice those very important words. All this took place to fulfill. So Matthew's telling us another reason why all of this is happening. Why was Mary pregnant as a virgin? Why did the angel come and tell Joseph to go ahead and marry her? Why is all this happening? It happens to fulfill a prophecy that God had given to the prophet Isaiah 700 years before, 700 years earlier. So with that in mind, read verses 22 and 23 together. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and now Matthew quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So those words in verse 23 are from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It's in your Bibles. You can look it up, which prophesies that one day a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. Now think about how long ago this was, 700 years earlier. So we are in the year 2021 right now. If a prophecy was given 700 years before, that would be in the year 1321. That's a long time. Lots has gone on since then. But 700 years earlier, God had had Isaiah prophesy that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Matthew's telling us that what's happened with Mary and with Joseph and with the baby in her womb was the fulfillment of this prophecy. So here's the third main point. This is another reason why Jesus came. It's because in fulfilling this prophecy... Jesus became God with us. Amazing. In verse 24, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not sexually until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the Holy Spirit led Matthew to focus on these specific events and to highlight the aspects that he highlighted because he wants us to understand three main points from this history, from the birth of Jesus. First, that Jesus was born of a virgin. Second, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And third, that Jesus is God with us. Now, why are these so important? What difference do these make? I'll just tell you, these make all the difference. So let's go through them now, one at a time, one point at a time. I want to help you see why this is so important. So the first main point, Jesus was born of a virgin. Look again, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So it's very important for Matthew for the Holy Spirit working through Matthew, that we understand that Jesus was to be born of a virgin. Now, why is that so important? One reason is because it it wakes us up. Something unusual is happening here. This is not the typical birth, right? I mean, how many babies are born of virgins? The answer is none, okay? Zero. It just doesn't happen. Of all the, the billions and the billions of babies that have been born, only one. Has been born of a virgin, Jesus Christ. And God does this to wake us up. Something's going on here. Tune in, pay attention. This is not your typical birth. Something very special is happening here. Something unusual is taking place. Now now some of you might think, I'm not sure I'd use the word unusual,? I, I think I'd say impossible. I mean, really? A virgin birth? you really believe that? And I do. And the reason is because we're talking about God here. God. The God who created life out of nothing, who created Adam and Eve, created the universe, created everything, surely the God who creates life out of nothing can create a baby in Mary's womb without the help of a man. God can do that. We're talking about God. If there's a God, then no problem with the virgin birth, right? Okay, well, you may say, all right, well, then why do you believe there's a God? Huge question, but let me just give you two, two answers. One reason is because of the evidence that I see. Evidence. Let me just mention a couple of evidence points. One is the Bible. So, the Bible, when you read it, it's clear that the authors are intending to tell you this is history. This actually happened. You see God creating the universe, creating planet Earth, creating Adam and Eve. You see sin coming into the Earth, which explains that's why we've got all these problems. And then you see God promising salvation as he works miraculously and amazingly through the people of Israel. And then he sends Jesus in fulfillment of those prophecies. Jesus comes, dies on the cross, purchases salvation, God pours out his Holy Spirit, the church is formed and created, and the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth. The Bible describes God's work in history from the very beginning to where we are now. Additional evidence. Think about the complex design of your body. Years ago, I read a book by a a guy named Michael Behe called Darwin's Black Box. He's a biochemistry professor in the U.S. And I'll never forget one section where he talked about all the complex cause-effect actions and reactions that are happening right now in your eye, between your eye and between your brain, that's enabling you to see me or whatever you look at the page you're looking at right now. I mean, Many, many, many of those are happening every millisecond. It's just it's amazing what's taking place. This complex design. Now, we know where complex design comes from. Complex planned designs don't come from random mutations or random cause-effect electrochemical actions or reactions. Designs, complex designs, come from a designer. Intelligence purposeful designing intelligence. And the complexity of our bodies is astonishing when you start to think about it, and that points to a designer, God. Also, if there is no God, then there are certain things that we know exist that there's no explanation for. I mean, if everything that exists is simply from random mutations and random cause-effect actions and reactions— How do we explain personhood? Like who you are. Like you. You know you're more than just your body. There's more going on. You're a person. Where does that come from? Not from chance mutations and actions and reactions. Where does consciousness come from? Where does right and wrong come from? Where does love come from? These things that we know... But they can't be explained unless there's a designer, a creator, God. But now, as important as those evidences are, and they are important, those aren't the most important reasons for me. What clinches it for me is that I know God. I know God. This morning, I talked to him and opened up the scriptures, and he spoke to me this morning through the word of God. And I sensed his presence in my heart. And and it's not that I'm so spiritual or so special. God promises to reveal himself to everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. It's the only reason I, I know God is because of his mercy in Jesus Christ. But I know God, and this room is full of people who know God. And that's what clinches it for me. When when God reveals himself to you, you don't need to ask for his ID. You'll know who it is. It's God. So yes, there's a God. And because there's a God, I have no problem believing in a virgin birth. He can do whatever he wants to do. And he had a baby conceived in Mary's womb as a virgin in order to show us something unusual is going on here. Pay attention to this baby. Focus on what's happening with this baby. He wants us to understand who Jesus is. That's another reason he had a virgin birth. Because Jesus is both fully man, born of Mary after all, but he's also fully God, conceived from the Holy Spirit. He has two natures, man and God, and they're combined in him in such a way that Jesus is fully man, and fully God. And that makes Jesus of infinite importance. No one is like Jesus. There's one Jesus come to earth from God, fully God and fully man. Jesus is of the utmost importance. Jesus is not just a really spiritual man. Jesus is man, fully man, but he's also God. Fully God. There is no one like him. Jesus is not just one of many prophets. Jesus is the one that all of God's true prophets were pointing to, like Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14. And Jesus is not one of many ways to God. Jesus is sent by God to make a way for us to be saved, by God. And He's made a way. And Jesus Himself said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He's the only way because He's the way that God sent. God sent His Son, Jesus, to make the way for us to be saved. And so Jesus was born of a virgin. That's Matthew's second main point here because that makes Jesus of infinite and I don't use that word lightly, infinite importance, massive importance. And second main point, first is that Jesus was born of a virgin. Second main point, Jesus will save his people from their sins. Look at verse 21 again. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, think about this. God created this beautiful world, amazing world. Waterfalls and white sand beaches and snow capped mountains. And it's a beautiful world God's created. And God's created you and me. And God has given himself to us so that we would have the Overflowing pleasure of knowing God, beholding His power, feeling His love, worshiping Him, glorifying Him. God gave Himself to us. He created us and He gave Himself to us so we could have the overflowing joy of knowing Him. He's the joy we were created to be filled with. But what happened? In our pride, We've all decided to turn our backs on our creator, to ignore our creator, and to seek our overflowing pleasure in creation, to try to create our own overflowing pleasures. That's what the Bible calls sin. Ignoring God in our pride, turning our our backs on God. And so instead of having our hearts overflowing with the pleasure of knowing God, our hearts are left empty and disappointed because they're trying to seek the joy we long for in the wrong place. And so our sin now keeps us from the overflowing pleasure of knowing God. And it it keeps us from that in two ways. The guilt of our sin separates God from us, because God has to judge sin, and the power of our sin separates us from God. We turn our backs on God. We don't want God. We refuse to bend the knee before God. God and and so so there we were okay kept from God by the guilt of our sin and by the power of our sin. And there was nothing that we in ourselves could do about it. But the angel, the angel told Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. He, he will save his people from their sins. And how does that happen? Amazing mercy from God the Father, and Jesus, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Bible teaches there's one God, three persons. God the Father, Jesus, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together chose in amazing love and compassion to save a vast number that no one can count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues. So the Father sent Jesus into the world. Sent Jesus into the world to be punished on the cross for the sins of everyone who will trust him. And then Jesus the Son, God the Son, came willingly to the world, knowing that he was coming to die and to suffer on the cross, to pay for sin's guilt and to break sin's power for all who trust him. And then how did, he, how did Jesus come? God the Holy Spirit conceived him in Mary's womb by supernatural power. And so Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and he rose again. And by doing that, he paid for sin's guilt and he broke sin's power for everyone who will bend the knee before Jesus and trust him. And what that means then is that the moment that you turn and trust Jesus, the moment that you turn from your sin and bend the knee, trust him, all your sins are forgiven. You experience his power coming into you and starting to change you. Sins pull lessons your faith grows, your love for God, for other people increases, his power starts to change you, and you have overflowing pleasure in your heart, the pleasure you've been looking for all your life for the first time you experience it, in knowing God, worshiping God, trusting God, loving God. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That's Matthew's second main point. And this room is it's full of people. Who have been saved from their sins. And you could be saved from your sins too. We want you to. God wants you to. Third main point Jesus is God with us. It's amazing. To show us this, Matthew quotes the 700 year old prophecy from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Let me read it again from verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, how is Jesus God with us? How does that happen? One way is that he was God with us physically when he was here on earth. Jesus was God with us physically when he was here on earth. See, God isn't aloof and distant. God Came. God was here, living, walking amongst us. So, for example, when we read in the Gospels that Jesus at 12 years old was in the temple and he was shocking the well trained religious scholars of the Old Testament, he was shocking them with his knowledge of the Old Testament, and he did that because he was God. Also, when he commanded, remember the story about out on the boat, Sea of Galilee? Massive storm blowing, and he just simply commanded it, be still. And the storm stopped. It stopped. He's God, the Son of God, God there in that boat. Or when he raises Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who had been dead for a couple of days, came forth. Who can do that? The God-man. Jesus, who is both fully man and fully God, raised Lazarus from the dead. He could forgive, remember Mark 2, I love this, he could forgive all the sins of this paralyzed man. Son, he says, your sins are forgiven. How can Jesus, this man, forgive all this man's sins? Because he's the God-man, fully God and fully man. He healed blind eyes, withered hands, leprous skin, because he's God. He preached truths that transformed people's lives set them free from sin, filled them with the pleasures of knowing God because He was God. And His very presence, just being with Him, caused fishermen to leave their boats and follow Him, caused tax collectors to leave their trade and to follow Him. His presence was just so filling, glorious, majestic, captivating, beautiful, enthralling, because you're in the very presence of God when Jesus was there with us physically here on earth. So that's one way he was God with us physically on earth. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. Because of Jesus' death on the cross, everyone who trusts him has God with them, living inside them right now. Because you're trusting Jesus Christ... You have God living inside you by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus is in you right now. He fills our hearts with his love. It's not constant, but oh, there's times where he just pours his love into our hearts. He comforts us again and again with his actual presence. And when the Lord pours his presence into your heart, you are comforted. He's everything. He strengthens us when we battle temptation. I'm sure many of you could testify that this week, as you've battled various temptations, and you've cried out for God to help you and opened up the Scriptures, He has met you and changed your heart. That's what He does. He guides our decisions. He gives us love for others. He frees us from discouragement, from, from hopelessness, from fear, makes us bold in witness, he gives us actual tastes of heaven's pleasures. Because you're trusting Jesus Christ, because he died to pay for sin and break sin's power. You have God with you, living inside you by the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God. That's the second way in Jesus, God is with us. There's a third way. Because of Jesus' death, we will have the fullness of God with us forever in heaven. Because of Jesus' death, we can have the fullness of God with us forever. In heaven. So, as Pastor Ben was praying earlier today, our faith will turn to sight. Seeing through a mirror dimly will be face to face God, Jesus, yes. Our battle against sin will be over, over. He'll wipe every tear away from your eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, sorrow, suffering, pain. And forever, forever, you will have the full pleasure of knowing God through Jesus Christ. That's Matthew's third main point. Jesus is God with us. Amazing. So Matthew describes this history of Jesus' birth, Matthew 1, 18-25, because he wants us to understand three main points. He wants us to understand he was born of a virgin. Jesus was born of a virgin so that he could save us from our sins and be God with us now and forever. So here's my question. Have you been freed from sin's guilt and sin's power? Have you experienced being saved from your sins? Do you have the overflowing pleasure of knowing God? Do you experience that in your life? Are you confident of and looking forward to the even greater experience of having the fullness of God with you forever in heaven. This is why Jesus came. That's what Jesus came to give you. Jesus is here saying, Merry Christmas. Here's what I've given you. I'm offering you salvation from sin, freedom from sin's guilt, and overcoming of sin's power, and having God with you. Now by the Holy Spirit, and forever in heaven. Jesus is here offering you those Christmas gifts. That's why he came. So let me encourage you. Bend the knee before Jesus Christ. See his love, his mercy, his reality, his historicity, his being here. See how God has sent him virgin-born to help us understand This is different. This is unusual. Something special is going on here. Don't miss this. See the reality of Jesus and trust him. Trust him to forgive you. Trust him to start breaking sin's power in you and trust him to overflowingly fill you with the pleasure of knowing God. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. We worship you, Jesus Christ. Oh, we love you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for conceiving Jesus in Mary's womb, miraculously and supernaturally. Thank you, Jesus, for coming, knowing that you're going to be going to the cross to suffer on the cross and then rise from the dead to free us from sin's guilt and power. And thank you, Jesus, that because of what you've done, we can, by trusting you, have God with us, filling us now, strengthening us now, comforting us now with the assurance of eternity with you forever. Thank you for your gift. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.